Hey, welcome to Victory at Home. Do me a favor, high five you're with somebody. High five them real quick. Maybe if they're your husband or wife or spouse, give them a hug. Give them a little kiss on the cheek. Say, hey, it's so good to see you this morning. Hey, welcome. High five. I get a high five too. That's what I'm talking about. I don't normally get high fives and loves. But again, welcome to Victory at Home. I want to say real quick, welcome to all of our family watching online, whether you have been with us since day one, since we launched, or whether you have joined us just recently while we're going through this pandemic season and we're on online only, maybe you found us. We just want to say, hey, welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad you're a part of our family. We are continuing our series called The Journey. And before we jump into that, I do want to highlight for a second something we do here called Purpose Prevails. And Again, if you've been here for a while, this is gonna be pretty familiar to you. If, if you're new to Victory Church, let me just kind of explain what it is. At the end of every year, we kind of gather as a church and, and we, we reflect on what God did that year and God's faithfulness and God's blessing. You heard me mention Jeff and Melanie and what God's done in their life. And there's so many people that are reaching out to us weekly and talking about all the great things that God is doing, even in the midst of this crazy season. And so... What it allows us to do is it allows us to look back on that year and then we turn around and give a financial gift towards, to, to the church, towards God um, and, and believing that God, not only thanking him for the faithfulness of the year before, but believing that his purpose will prevail in the next year. Um, and here's something that we always like to say to our church. Uh, this is kind of the way we, we prepare it and God has been faithful every year. Is I say, hey, listen, don't take my word for it. Don't listen to me. Go home and pray about it. Pray and ask God, should I give to purpose prevails? And if God says no, then don't do it. But if God says yes, then you better do it. You better start asking God what that amount is going to be. Um, and we have testimonies that I'll continue to share as we get closer. But the first Sunday in December is the Sunday that we're going to take that up. So again, if you're watching online, I just want to encourage you, start praying now what God would have you give during that season. We take that offering and every year we use it, we turn it back and 100% of it goes back into ministry. And so we use it for events and outreaches and all kinds of things, anything that we can do to help somebody learn about Jesus. And so again, start praying now, start believing now. I think God's gonna do something special. How cool will it be? How cool will it be to be able to testify about a Purpose Prevails offering in a season where we're not meeting in person, in a season where people went through you know, a lot of financial scare. And some people are still in financial scare, but I just believe that if you know who God is, you understand that if you're faithful, God's got you. And so I just wanna encourage you to do that. Again, we're in, we are in a series called The Journey. So if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter six. Um, I'm gonna need that later. It's not my, not my pre-sermon snack. Uh, I do wanna encourage you to journal. Please journal during this series. I keep saying it. I don't know if people are taking me serious. The, the reason why I'm saying it is this, is, is I feel like we are unveiling a lot of information about Jesus. And then weekly, we have study guides going on the website, and there's all kinds of different attributes uh, and extras that go with this series. And so I'm really encouraging you to kind of take it and put it into one area. And so again, if you are watching online, register for the journey. I send out extra notes throughout the week, just extra thoughts that maybe didn't make it into the sermon. So go on the website, register for that. And then also there's study guides on there where, hey, if we were in John chapter six, but we didn't really preach about verses, you know, 30 through 35, then we kind of talk about that a little bit so that you feel like you get the whole chapter. And then again, what I'm asking you to do is take all that and put it into a journal for you so that you can really identify who is Jesus. Because here's what I think is interesting, that in that song we're singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, and we're saying all these things, and then we get to that point where we say, that is who you are. And it's like, well, do you know God to be that? And it's important for us to be able to jot down who Jesus is so that we will know who Jesus is. Amen. 
Amen. All right. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. We just finished John chapter 5 last week. So John chapter 6, and we're going to jump into it with verse 1. And it says, sometime after this, so Jesus has done all the miracles that we saw at the Pool of Bethesda, and then he had the interaction with the religious leaders. And so it says, sometime after that, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of, Di of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, watch this, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So this great crowd is following Jesus because they have seen him doing these miracles. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, watch this, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. I love that he literally stole the boy's lunch. But he says, hey, how far will they go among so many? Like, this is what he has, but how far is it gonna go amongst such a huge crowd? And Jesus said, have the people sit down, for there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, historians and theologians say there were 5,000 men, but by the time you add up husbands and wives, it was a crowd of about 20,000 people. So about 20,000 people were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted and he did the same with the fish. I wanna to talk to you from the subject this morning, not what I had in mind. Not what I had in mind. Have you ever been anticipating something and you kind of develop these expectations of what it's going to be like and it's not, maybe, maybe you've never actually experienced it before, and so you're kind of going off of just what your mind could come up with. Maybe somebody else has experienced it before, and they've told you their experience. And so you're kind of developing this concept, and now you're anticipating it. And then it finally happens, and when somebody asks you about it, you go, well, you know, it was good. It just wasn't what I had in mind, right? It, it wasn't bad, but I had just kind of, I had this expectation, and what it was wasn't what I had in mind. I'll just throw some examples out there. Maybe, you know, for some of you, it was your first kiss, right? Like, like you, were, you, it, you were anticipating it, and it happened, and, and it just wasn't what you had in mind. Maybe, maybe it was your, your marriage, right? Maybe it was the first, first few months or years of your marriage, and, you know, it was good, but it just wasn't what you had in mind because you had kind of developed this expectation off of your parents or, or you know, whatever the situation was, and it just wasn't what you had. Maybe, maybe it was your first child, right? The first time that you had a baby and that whole experience, and you saw everybody posting all the cute pics on Instagram, but the way they never post is the picture of the baby up screaming, uh, you know, you know with, uh, at three o'clock in the morning fussing, right? It just wasn't what you had in mind. Maybe it was your dream job and you get your dream job and then you start to operate in it or maybe it was just your purpose or your passion but, but you finally get it and it's just not what you had in mind, right? I was reading a lot of articles recently about why people leave church or Christianity or religion or whatever term you wanna put there and a lot of people's reasoning was because at some point God did something that didn't match what they had in mind right? Or, or God didn't do what they had in mind. 
And so they had kind of developed this expectation, again, of what church was going to be or what, a, what Christianity was going to be or what a relationship with Jesus was going to be like. And because that didn't match what they had in mind, they ended up deciding to walk away. This was an interesting study. According to Barna, watch this, 51% of Americans believe in God. 51% of Americans believe in God. But the same study said, a little bit further down, said that 66% of Americans believe in miracles. So help me with this. 51% of Americans believe in God, but 66% believe in miracles. So this confirmed what I already believed, which is this, that even people that don't believe in God, even people that don't want to follow God, kind of secretly hope that if they ever get into an emergency situation, that the God of miracles is real, right? Like there's just kind of this stereotype of God and miracles, of Jesus and prayer. And when I sit out with this series, listen, one of the reasons why I encourage you to journal with this series is because I'm doing this for myself as well. And so I'm going through this book and I'm asking Jesus, show me who you are more than I've ever seen before. And one of the things, and I've told a lot of my, 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 my close friends about this, one of the things that I really want God to show me more about is prayer and miracles. Because I think there are a lot of people who are walking away from Christianity and they're turning their back on God because they misunderstand the true concept that has to do with God, miracles, Jesus, and prayer. And I, and I think when we get that mixed up, and when we have this false expectation, or better yet, when we start to develop something in our mind of what God should do or how Jesus does do it, and then all of a sudden it doesn't match, right? If all of a sudden, watch this, what God does doesn't match the miracle that we had in mind, then we can find ourselves turning our back on God or walking away from Jesus, all because in, if we were honest, we had a misunderstanding to begin with. So I set out to answer this question. What to do when what I want isn't what Jesus had in mind? What do you do? <laughs> as somebody who decides to follow Jesus Christ, as someone who decides to attend church faithfully, as someone who starts to read their Bible, I think we all enter into it with something already in our mind. Right? Maybe it's because our friend told us about Christianity, maybe it's because our parents were raised in some type of denomination, some type of faith, but we already got something in mind. And so you enter into that relationship with Jesus, already have something in mind. And what do we do when what we want, when what we already have in mind, when what we want doesn't match what Jesus has in mind? Let's go to the scriptures. John chapter 6. First couple of verses are really important. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and, on a, and a great crowd of people, we've already told you that 20,000 people are following Jesus. 20,000 people are following him. Why? It says it clear. Why? Because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. 20,000 people are following Jesus because of the miracles that he's already done right? Many of us are following Jesus, watch this, and we've already made up our minds in regards of what we want him to do. A lot of us are just following Jesus around because Jesus has done miracles, 
and we've already made up in our mind what we want Jesus to do. I started thinking about this particular story, and I got, I got really deep into it. Whenever I read stories in the Bible, I try to put myself physically there, right? And so I'm like, all right, check this out. Let's just say Tommy and Billy, as are always easy names to remember. So Tommy and Billy are in the crowd, and they're following Jesus. And, and check this out. In, in that day and age, there was no social media. There was no television. There was no newspaper. So any information about Jesus was simply traveling by word of mouth, okay? So, so any, any identity of what Jesus was doing, any hype about Jesus and, and the miracles would have been 100% by word of mouth, right? So he's got 20,000 people following him because the word of mouth is that he performs miracles. Now let me ask you a question. Is it true that most humans cannot relay information the exact way that it happened to another individual, right? At some point, we're going to embellish a little bit, right? So can you imagine by the time the news got out about Jesus, what they were probably saying? Right? Could you imagine? Like, man, he lifted that dude up in, in, you know, in, in the air and spin him around in a circle. You know what I mean? All this kind of, it would just get crazy. And, and the rumors are out. They, they've heard that he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. They heard that he, he healed the nobleman's uh, son. They heard that he did the, the wedding. He, he put the wine or water into wine at the wedding. They heard all these miracles. And Jesus' fame is growing. And 20,000 people are following him because Jesus does miracles. 20,000 people are following Jesus because. Please underline that in your Bible. Because. Because. He does miracles, not because he loves them. They are not following him because he died on the cross. That hasn't happened yet. They're not even following him because they believe he's the Messiah. Not all of them do. People are following him because he can do magic tricks, right? That dude was lame for 38 years and he healed that guy. There was no wine at the wedding. And he took the foot washing water and changed the molecules and turned it into, this dude's a magician. Grab the kids, let's go. And here's why, you ready? Because everybody who followed him had something in mind that they wanted him to do. Right? Grab the kids, let's go. Honey, come on, you know one of your legs is longer than the other one, and when you walk, you walk like this, so come on. Jesus can touch that hip, and you'll be good again. Come on. Our daughter, was, she was born blind. She can't see. Come on, grab her. Let's go. The guy who does miracles is coming, and I've got something in mind that I want him to do. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so they're all sitting around, and he's like, hey, Tommy, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, man, my wife, she got hurt while back and her hips off and so when she walks she kind of walks with a limp and so so we're here hoping that Jesus will touch her body and heal her oh cool well Billy what are you here for well remember my daughter was born blind oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that yeah I'm hoping because Jesus healed that blind I'm hoping Jesus will hear heal her oh wow wow and then all of a sudden here comes the disciple Andrew right not not that Andrew the disciple Andrew and and, and he comes and he hands them bread and fish. And they're like, oh, thanks. What is this? Now watch this. Never before had anybody provided food after a miracle. 
So this wasn't expected. Nobody was following Jesus expecting him to feed them. Nobody. They were coming for a miracle, right? So now he comes through and he hands them the bread and the fish and they go, what's this? And Andrew's like, man, that's that little boy's lunch. Jesus is taking it and he's feeding 20,000 people. It's a miracle. And he's like, miracle? This isn't quite what I had in mind, right? Like, that's not, it's not what I came for. I, I got food at the house. I came for a miracle. That is a miracle. Think, to us, that's an incredible miracle. Think about how many preachers stood up and preached about this miracle that Jesus did where he fed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's a miracle. But to Tommy and Billy, not what they came for. Have you ever wondered how many miracles we miss because they didn't look like what we had in mind? Right? Like we, we develop this expectation. And if it doesn't match what we had in mind, we don't label it a miracle. And so we could be surrounded by miracles and not appreciate it because the miracle doesn't match the miracle we had in mind. You know, when, when 2020 started, I, I remember, and some of you will, we had a birthday party January, I think it was 21st, it was right around that time. And I remember Katie Carter was here, and we were talking about the missions trip, and I was in a Tennessee Titans jersey. Who knew they were gonna win the Super Bowl this year? You know, and it was all this awesome stuff, and, and like all this cool things are happening, and the place was packed, and we had, I had all this stuff in mind. Remember we talked about doing mixtape, right? We're gonna do a series where we took secular songs and used them. And we started talking about uh, the church picnic. I couldn't wait. The church picnic is my favorite thing we do, right? Everybody out there cooking out and just having fun. And then we were all psyched for At The Movies Part 2, right? And then we were talking about the end of the year, purpose prevails. The word of the year, the word of the year was shift. <laughs> Boy, we got that one right. I bet y'all will never question anything I say again. I could be like, the word for 2021 is rainbow. And you'd be like, yep, I believe it. I'm going and getting all the rainbows. Right? So, so I mean, I just didn't, I didn't have this in mind. Preaching, look, starting off preaching to my phone in my house in the time frame that Casey Ray's sleeping, I didn't have that in mind. Going to Jeff and Bree's and, and bless their heart, doing everything they could to just allow me, could you stand here? Could you move there? Could you say this? Doing the best they could to provide something of great, excellent quality. And then coming in here into a 700-seat seven, auditorium and having 20 people sit around, I, I didn't have this in mind, you know? But the Lord was showing me the other day how many miracles he's still doing. Every week, we have a consistent 200 homes watching the service. That's incredible. Every home is, you know, what, two to four people? That's incredible. There are people who have joined the church since we've been online only. That's incredible. A, a few weeks ago, there's an individual that we support his ministry. His name's Scott Horde. We support his ministry faithfully. And he has a ministry where he ministers to families who are considering abortion. And he just has an incredible, incredible ministry. And about three or four weeks ago, they, that ministry saved its 222nd baby. That's incredible. 
God's favor is on that ministry. He's an incredible man. God's doing so many great things in that ministry. When, when, when COVID-19 first hit, we were able to provide all of the Rock Springs Middle School teacher, oh, I'm sorry, when school was starting back, we were able to provide all of the Rock Springs Middle School teachers lunch. Just able to bless them. They, they had one of these meetings where they, get, they were getting ready to come back and Principal Wayne was about to give them all this information and he was showing them how to sanitize stuff and we were able to come in and feed them and then God gave me the opportunity to share a word for them about anxiety and depression. It was incredible. And then we were able to send care packages with school supplies to all of the teachers that, that actually attend Victory Church. We were able to send them care packages with, with pencil sharpeners and all this kind of crazy stuff. And then when COVID first hit, we went, because of, of your faithfulness, the church went to the local food bank and we paid for 4,000 meals. 4,000 meals. Isn't that incredible? Just recently, we purchased 100 water filters. It was over. 100 water filters through the Convoy of Hope that, that ended up equaling 100 million gallons of fresh, clean water for third world countries. It's incredible. We, we, we stood up as a church against racism. And we started having open conversations about it. We stood up, we gave our response, and we are still talking. We are still sitting at Zoom conversations and saying, how can we get better? What can we do to really model the love of Jesus Christ in, in a world that obviously racism exists? We did that as a church. We survived a pandemic. Every week, our VKids elementary team puts an incredible service online. And every week, kids get to watch in their living room and hear about Jesus. Right? I've married a bunch of people in our church over this past nine months. Not literally. I officiated the wedding. I'm going to be like, you hear about that church? I don't know about him. We've seen a lot of babies born. I've, I've walked with and prayed with families who have lost family members during this season. Is it just me? Or does that sound like God's still moving? So even though this isn't quite what I had in mind, God is still changing lives. We're surrounded by miracles. But if the miracle doesn't match the miracle that we had in mind, then we don't consider it a miracle. I think sometimes we put priority on what we have in mind instead of what God has in mind. Right? And this expectation of Jesus being this miracle worker, this expectation, watch this, of if I pray for it, I get it. Because I've seen pastors take verses and put them out of context and say, hey, as long as you ask God for it, God's going to hear it and do it. That's not the case. Matter of fact, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says that if it's according to his will, then God hears it and does it. And as long as we have this mindset that whatever we have in mind, I want Jesus to do, watch this. If Jesus doesn't do it, we leave. Am I right? Not only, not only if he doesn't do it, but if he doesn't even do it the way I thought he should do it, I'll leave. You know, uh, in the 1990s, there was this bracelet that, that became really, really popular. I don't know if you remember it. It was called the WWJD bracelet. Y'all remember that? Anybody, anybody remember that? Anybody got one? Anybody got one still? All right, we got a few. Okay, all right, represent. Um, 
I was looking into it, and, and, and obviously the, the, the statement, what would Jesus do, not only is it biblical, biblical but, but, it, but it's, it's, it's got you know, origin a long, long time ago. But what happened with the bracelets was this youth leader in Michigan took that statement and really wanted her teenagers to remember it. So she took it and abbreviated it, WWJD, and put it on this little cheap bracelet, and she just got some for her youth group, and they started wearing it, and it just exploded. And it went from your traditional black and white bracelet to like rainbow colors and neon colors, and it was even crazy. It eventually, there was like a knockoff version, I didn't know this until I was studying it, called Frog. <laughs> do y'all remember this? And it stood for fully relying on God. And so somebody kind of took that a different direction. I just thought that was funny that, that you know, they kind of knocked off the WWJD bracelet. But, but the WWJD bracelet was a great concept. It was what would Jesus do? Because Jesus, as we know, is love. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. It's going to literally mess you up. But, but it's, what would Jesus do? So it was like if I'm, in the, if I'm in the traffic and somebody cuts me off, oh, what would Jesus do? Right? If I'm at Kmart and I go to, or at Kmart, I'm sorry. Is that even, does that even exist anymore? Uh, so what happens when you try to memorize an entire sermon. If I go to Walmart, all right, that's still a laugh. And you go through the checkout, and all of a sudden, somebody skips you, and the checkout's like, oh, what? What would Jesus do? Right, that, that was kind of how it developed. That was the purpose of it. But I think at some point, it shifted in our heart from what would Jesus do to what would I want Jesus to do? Right? Like, like at some point, whether we really like made a big deal of it or not is one thing. But it started off, what would Jesus do? What, what would he want to do? What, what would he decide to do? What is on his agenda to all of a sudden being, well, what would I want Jesus to do if we were using scriptural, scripture as some type of backbone, right? And this is what I think has happened with both prayer, miracles, is I think at some point we developed this spiritual attitude of what do I want Jesus to do? And if Jesus doesn't do what I have in mind, well, then I'm just going to leave. Right? And then I felt the Holy Spirit drop an acronym. Don't put it up yet because I want to see if they can figure it out. There's no way you're going to figure it out. But um, y'all going to think I'm joking about this, but I'm, I'm dead serious. God dropped an acronym in my spirit that I'm actually working on getting it developed into merchandise to give you now. Because I think it's going to be revolutionary for us moving forward. I think we're gonna do merch about it. I think we're gonna write songs about it. I, I think it's literally going to shift the way that we pray. I think it's going to shift the way that we expect Jesus to do miracles. And I, I'll set it up for you and then I'll preach it for you. And if you don't leave out of here, I want you to leave out. I want you to go get it tattooed on you. You know what I'm talking about? Not really, just kidding. But, but I want you to write it on your notebooks. Oh, you know, just, just make, it, make it literally like your life acronym. You ready? So here's the acronym. W-D-J-H-I-M. You're like, that's not nearly as catchy. <laughs> I didn't tell you it was going to be catchy. We can't all have W-W-J-D. That wasn't catchy when she started it. Somebody was like, what's weed? You know? It's not catchy. It's powerful is what it is. W-D-J, yeah, H-I-M. Almost messed it up. Still learning it. God gave it to me Tuesday. W-D-J-H-I-M. You ready? What does Jesus have in mind? What does Jesus have in mind? That will revolutionize our prayer life. 
I'm just as guilty as everybody else walking into prayer time with God with my mind already made up. Jesus, I pray for this, and I pray for that, and I pray for this, and there's never a moment where I stop and go, you know what? Forget what I have in mind. Jesus, what do you have in mind? So let me break it down for you some more. Go back to the scriptures, John chapter 6. Something happens that I read into a little bit more than most people do, and it really gave me revelation to this. So John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, again say this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he says to Philip, hey, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, historians say he asked Philip because Philip was from the area. So it would have been like, hey, you're from here. What's a good place to eat? All right, it's a normal question. Where can I buy bread to eat, Philip? Let me know. Philip's response is, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So Jesus says, where can I get bread? Philip answers with an amount. Now, here is the revelation that I had never thought of before. In order for Philip to have an amount, he had to have a bread in mind. In case you don't believe me, let's, let's try this as an illustration. Melanie, I'm going to use you. Let's say that I tell you next Sunday, I want you to buy everybody in here lunch, right? So I just want, there's about, I don't know, 20, 25 of us. I want you to buy everybody lunch, okay? If Melanie all of a sudden came up to me with an amount, it would tell me that she obviously has a place in mind, right? For example, if she came up and said, all right, I think I'm gonna take them to the Mexican restaurant. That's about 10 or $11 per person, depending on whether or not we get cheese dip. So we're about 200, $250, Okay, or, or maybe she says, you know, I'm gonna bless you. We're all gonna go to Tokyo and we're all gonna get stir fried rice or whatever it is and that's about, you know, $250 a person or uh, in reality, $20 a person. And so that's gonna be about $400, $450. Or maybe she says, you know what? I'm gonna go get you all something from Wendy's 99 cent menu. I'm gonna get you all a spicy chicken sandwich. And so that's gonna be about 20 bucks. But you see what I'm saying? Like in order for you to have an amount, you have to have something in mind. So when Jesus says to Philip, where can I buy bread? Philip calculates based off whatever bread he has in mind. Is he thinking about barley? Is he thinking about wheat? Is he thinking about pumpernickel? Right? Whatever it is, he has it in mind. He already is thinking about what they're going to buy. Jesus did not say, tell me how much it's going to cost. Tell me, where can I even get something? But Philip already has in mind what Jesus is going to do. And because Philip already has his mind made up, he doesn't understand the question. A couple of weeks ago, Darla and I and the girls, we went out to eat dinner had a little family night, and the girls have been wanting to go to O'Charlie's, and so we go to O'Charlie's, and it's me and Casey Ray on one side of the booth, and Darla and Vade on the other side of the booth, and we're asking just kind of random questions just to keep conversation going so the kids don't tear the, you know, destroy the place, and so we're just kind of talking through different things and asking random questions, and Casey Ray is, every time there's a question asked, no matter what the question is, this is her response every time, so this is the table, she leans up and she goes, I know! And so she leans up on the table with her hand up. I know every question. So like she could be like, Darla might ask, what's the fastest animal in the world? And my five-year-old's like, I know, right? And, she's, and sometimes she got it right. One time there was a question about a sloth and she answered it and Darla and I both were like, what just happened? Right, we have a genius on our hands. 
And so a little bit later, we're doing this. And anytime, anytime that I acted like I was going to answer, Casey Ray would cover my eyes and tell me to be quiet. <laughs> right, that's what she was, yeah, okay, you got it. So all of a sudden, Darla asks this question. She says, you know, da, 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 da. And Casey Ray goes, oh, I know. And she leans up and Darla says to her, Casey, did you even understand the question? And Casey Ray says, no. She's trying to answer it. Matter of fact, not only is she trying, she says, I know the answer, and yet she doesn't even understand the question. Is it possible that when we ask, does Jesus answer prayers, or is God still a miracle worker? Is it possible that we scream out, I know, before we even understand the question? Ooh, I know. If I'm following Jesus for what I have in mind, then I'm going to be disappointed. But if I'm following Jesus to see what he has in mind, then I'm guaranteed to be amazed. Think about that. If I follow Jesus for what I have in mind, and people might even get mad at me for this, but I'm gonna say it like this, you're guaranteed to be disappointed. Because Jesus' ways are above our ways. Because God doesn't operate the way that we operate. So it's pretty much guaranteed that God's not gonna do it the way that you think he's gonna do it. So if you're following Jesus to get what you have in mind, you're guaranteed to be disappointed. But come on, can I set you free for a second? If we start following Jesus to see what he has in mind, then we're guaranteed to be amazed. So, so here, here it is for your journal. You ready? We've been, we've been doing a bunch of Jesus is. Jesus is the lamb and Jesus is the resurrection and Jesus is, you know, the, the living water. You ready? Here's for your journal. Get ready. Jesus is, I want you to do capital I-S because it, it, it's, it's more of a declaration. Jesus is, capital I-S underline, Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus is a miracle worker. That's the answer to the question. Does God still do miracles? Yes. Does Jesus answer prayers? Yes. The answer is just they do miracles. But I need to help you understand the question. Back to John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and watched. He says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish but how far can they go among so many? And so I'm reading this over the past couple of weeks and I'm really trying to get deep into it because this is one of the revelations that I wanted for myself. Sometimes I'm able to preach something that God's already shown me, but I really wanted to see this for myself because I believe that God still does miracles. I believe that Jesus is going to answer my prayers, but there are just times where what happens doesn't line up with what I had in mind and so I'm trying to figure out how to do it better. And so I'll get to this point of the story and I'm telling myself, this has to have value. What does this have to do with me lining up with what Jesus has in mind? And, and, and pastors have preached this. I mean, again, the Bible is living. So you can take one verse and preach it 400 different ways and it still change lives and be true because that's the living word of God. I could preach the same scripture two years from now with a totally different topic, totally different subject, and it would still minister to your heart. Matter of fact, people preach all the time that this boy gave his little sack lunch 
and then God fed all these people. And so if you'll just give God the little bit that you have, God will be able to multiply it to bless, right? It works financially. If you'll just tithe, God will use it. We just sent 100 million gallons of fresh water because you gave a little sack lunch. You see what I mean? Like it works. If, you, if you'll just give your gifts, just, oh, I'm not that talented. If you'll just give your gifts, then God will use it. And like it can be used in so many ways. But that wasn't enough for me. So now I'm praying and walking through this concept that I have to have what Jesus has in mind. And so I know this is important. So Father, show me what this is about. And again, I'm like, okay. Boy shows up with this lunch. Disciple says, hey, this boy's got a lunch. Jesus says, bring it here. Jesus uses it, gives thanks to God, multiplies it, feeds everybody. <laughs> All of a sudden, God told me, watch this. 20,000 people. 20,000 people, 19,999 of them did not have in mind what they were going to do for dinner. They weren't planning on eating. They were planning on coming, getting their miracle, and getting back home. None of them brought preparation. None of them showed up with HelloFresh, right? None of them had any gogurts, any of those tuna packages that are on the go. 19,999 people had nothing in mind when it came to what they would do for food. But one boy did. Now, I've heard people preach it was his mom, but we don't know. We don't have any real evidence to did his mom pack his lunch. We're pretty sure this boy didn't pack his own lunch. It's probably his mom. So in reality, the one person that had in mind what was gonna happen for dinner was his mom. But for the point of this, we'll just give it to the boy. And this boy shows up to Jesus doing these miracles and he has in mind what he's going to do for food. Just holding this, I was thinking about, do you remember going to lunch and there's always a mystery as to what your mom packed you, right? Before you had to graduate to school food, and had to eat that cardboard pizza. But before that, I was always like, what's in, what's in the bag, right? Like, what's in the bag? So I was thinking about this, and I'm like, he probably knows that it's barley bread, which means it's the cheapest bread you could possibly buy. And they talk about the fish, and historians say that it was a fish that was often used and pickled for like relish. So it wasn't even, matter of fact, I may bring this up next week. They were talking about how the fish was actually probably there just to help him wash down the bread because the bread was so dry it'd get stuck in his throat. But he knows what he has. He shows up, steps into the presence of Jesus, and he already has in mind what he's going to do for food. And then there's this moment where Jesus approaches him. And Jesus says, are you willing to give what you already have in mind to me so that you can see what I have in mind? Remember what Jesus told Philip? He said, you know, we can go buy some bread. And the Bible says that Jesus said this to him just to test him because Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. So can I give you what I think is probably the greatest revelation I've ever received when it comes to prayer and miracles? That my miracle 
is setting behind my ability to give up what I have in mind so that I can see what Jesus has in mind. Let's just say he was excited about it. Let's just say for some reason he actually wanted barley bread. Would you agree that what he got in return was better than what he already had in mind? Yeah. Because whenever we're willing to give up what we have in mind for whatever Jesus has in mind, it always ends up being better than what we had in mind to begin with. Remember when you had who you were going to marry in mind? And you tried to make God make that happen? And then you gave up what you had in mind for what God had in mind, and he gave you something way better than you've ever had? Don't you mess with me. Church, I've been soaking on this for months, and this is my word. Aren't you glad that he didn't give you what you had in mind? I'm going to say this because I know time-wise that I can. If God gives you what you have in mind, you can't be our new youth directors. But when he gives you what God has in mind, not only are you able to do a job that you love, but he gives you the opportunity to minister the way that your heart wants to minister. Why do we keep wanting what we have in mind? when whatever it is that Jesus has in mind is guaranteed to be greater. Oh no, there's a pandemic. I had so much in mind. What are you doing, God? What if we'd stop and go, oh no, there's a pandemic. Jesus, what do you have in mind? What do you have in mind? I filled out that application and I didn't get that job. God, why? Wait, 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 wait. WDG, WDJ, H-I-M. It's going to take a minute. (laughs) Stick with me, church. We can't seem to get pregnant. W-D-J-H-I-M. That relationship ended, W-D-J-H-I-M. I lost my job, W-D-J-H-I-M. I can't wait for the church doors to open again so that I can have an excuse not to go to church. Did y'all catch that? W-D-J-H-I-M. Please, church, hear my heart. God is a miracle worker. And there are miracles all around us, but we overlook them and we miss them because they aren't the miracle that we had in mind. And if you've left Christianity or relationship with Jesus because he didn't do some, he didn't answer some prayer or he didn't do some miracle, can I just challenge you to sit down for a second and ask yourself, W-D-J-H-I-M? And if it's a past issue, watch this. This is what I love about how how fluid my God is. Because if it's a past issue, 
It's not what does Jesus have in mind. It's what did Jesus have in mind. I can go either way on y'all. So, so, so let, me, let me close up by telling you the story. I had this little prop thing. I don't see it right now, but I'll come back to it. Okay, so we talked a little bit earlier about the word of the year being shift. And for those of you that were here, you might remember we brought this board out and it had the word shift on top of it and we gave all these little tags and we said, hey, write on the tag where you wanna see God do a shift in your life and the pins didn't work right on the tags and people were having a scratch. And this is what happens when, you know, you're a baby church, it is, get off me. And so um, we put this thing up and there's this couple sitting, right? I, I can still see them where they were sitting that day. And the husband told me, he said, as soon as you said, where do you want to shift in your life? My mind said my job. He said, I hated my job. I hated my boss. It was just a, it was just a toxic situation. And he said, I just knew right when you said it, I wanted, I wanted a different job. He said, but I didn't write anything because I had been in churches before where they did this and it never seems to work. And he said, and I was like, I'm not doing that again. He said, but you kept talking about it. My wife was filling out hers. And so he's like, all right, I'll do it. So he said, I wrote just, a, just three letters, J-O-B. He said, I didn't give any detail, just wrote job. And he said, as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, God, I'm wasting my time. You're not gonna do anything. You're not gonna do anything. So I remember crying that day because I, when you do something like that, there's a good chance that the people in the audience are gonna go like, dude, get a life. I'm not standing in front of everybody. You know? And the line was all the way down the center aisle of people who were coming down. I still have it. I pray over it all the time. I looked at it. It's in my green room, also known as the toilet, bathroom. Sorry. <laughs> Losing the Holy Spirit right here. Okay. So he comes down and he puts it on the, on the board. I think, I think that was January-ish. Getting ready for 2020. The year of the shift. Right. So he said he, he left that day. He said, I didn't have a lot of faith in it. He said a couple weeks later, him and his wife were headed on a family vacation or a vacation. So they went skiing in Utah. He said, the first day we were there, it came on the news that this thing called the, the coronavirus was happening in China. And he said, I remember looking at the TV going, ooh, it's bad for them. At least it's not here. Went on and enjoyed his vacation. The last day of his vacation, they were skiing. And he has a, a mishap and he runs into a tree and he breaks his arm comes home and has to end up going through, I think it's four months of rehab and all that. And he's like, wow, God, <laughs> we're off to a great start. Not only did I not get a new job, I got a broken arm. Then the coronavirus starts coming, you know, coming to America and impacting us. And he said, I started getting worried about my job. And he said, on my birthday, my job called me and told me that we, I was going to be furloughed. He said, but they were very optimistic about it, four weeks. He said, so I, was, I wasn't really stressing. And he said, the longer that it went, week one, week two, week three, I started getting a little worried. And he said, on the 4th of July, my boss called me. It was, it was literally when the four weeks were supposed to stop. He said, my boss called me to let me know that they were letting me go. He said, I went into straight panic. How am I gonna provide for my family? He said, I started filling out applications. He said, I filled out over 100 applications. Nothing. 
He said, I, I was so desperate, I was filling out applications for places that I had already filled out applications to. Nothing. And he, he told me, he said, I, I remembered the moment where I just told God, fine, do what you want. Do, just, just, you know, just, you do it. He said it wasn't too long after that, he got this phone call from this company that he had not applied for. They had seen his resume. They had contacted him. He had filled out over 100 applications, but he didn't fill out one for them. They called him. He said four hours after their interview, they called him back and they said, we want a second interview. Set up an interview, talked to him. On the day that they had that interview, they made him an offer. He's been working there ever since. He says it's the best job he's ever had. And when he's telling me this story, this was months ago, before I even thought about WDJHIM. I said, isn't that crazy? That God answered that prayer? And I remember saying this, but he didn't do it the way you thought he would. Did you ever think, man, that in order for God to give you the job that your heart desires, you would have to lose your job and put in 100 applications? And you, you know, again, I'm not saying this has anything to do with it, but have to go through all of this rehab with your arm. And we're in the middle of coronavirus and a pandemic. And like, hey, here, here's just the truth, man. This is not what you had in mind when you asked that. But we know that God works for the good of those who love him. We know that he is beside us and before us and behind us. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, When you pray according to his will, God hears you. And this is the confidence that you can have. That he will answer your prayer. According to his will. And then the disciples say, Jesus, help us learn how to pray. And Jesus says, okay, pray like this. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Paul said in Romans, when you don't know how to pray, let the Holy Spirit pray for you because the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. What is Scripture trying to tell us? That for some reason, religion, Christianity has all been mixed up. That prayer is about you coming to Jesus with what you have in mind and Jesus doing what you want. When what scripture is saying is that Jesus knows what's best for you. And he knows that you don't like your boss. And he knows that that situation is unhealthy. But if your prayer will be, what does Jesus have in mind? When it's all said and done, it'll be better than you ever thought it could be. Hey, little boy, come here. I want to use your lunch to feed 20,000 people. With the greatest faith, what does he do? Pull little pieces of bread off? Jesus says, no, no, no. Get out of your mind and ask what's going on in mine. 
Jesus, what do you have in mind? Come on, just close your eyes with me for a second. Every one of us, there's an area right now in our life. Maybe you've been praying for a miracle. You've been praying for God to do this and God to do that. And can we just make this moving forward, our vision, our mantra, our, our proclamation that when we pray, it's not going to be what I have in mind. I just want to pray, Jesus, what do you have in mind? I'll testify to you for a moment. I get a lot of people asking me, when are we going to open? When are we going to get our own building? My prayer life has looked like this for the past two months. Jesus, what do you have in mind? And I'm just telling you, church, that will set you free. That will set you free. Because if you listen to John later on, he's going to say that whatever you ask according to his will, Whatever you ask, when it comes to what Jesus has in mind, whatever Jesus wants to do, he's going to do. And you can guarantee that it is the best thing for you. So Father, I pray right now for every family, every household that's watching, every family represented in this room, that that would be the prayer that we start praying, that that would be the bracelet we start wearing. W-D-J-H-I-M. What does Jesus have in mind for tomorrow, for this weekend, for this election, for this Thanksgiving, for this Christmas, for 2021? What does Jesus have in mind? Father, that's our prayer. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.